Welcome to the Evolve Podcast, a podcast about disrupting your life to spark new evolution. Evolve your body, evolve your mind, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. And now, it's time to disrupt. And we're live. Miles, how you doing tonight? Steve, I'm doing all right. This is a good night. I'm waiting for, uh, we get, we're about to get two feet of snow tonight and then another foot tomorrow. So I'm very excited, very excited about that. Well, you know, Ohio is always behind whatever Utah does. Utah's great. Ohio just is right behind us. We had we had snow last night, so now you're getting it. So yeah, you're well, kind we of get, getting our we, we get the, seconds. We get that northeast thing coming in, coming west. And then we also get what comes off of the lake. Yeah, today was lake effect snow for us. So I woke up this morning and powdery snow everywhere, but it was still in the teens. And so when I went into the gym this morning, man, we're talking uh, ice and snow everywhere. I was sliding all over the roads. It took me, normally it takes me like two or three minutes to drive to the gym. And yeah. uh, it was about a 10 minute drive because I had to drive slow, so or so slow to get there. And then my commute was a lot longer. Yeah, that so used to scare me when I lived in Utah. That that really it was the my I think my first year, my first winter in Utah. We had that um I don't know if you remember, um it was that ice that ice day. Oh yeah. Back in yeah. 2011. We don't have a lot and, of those. And luckily, I had to go to the gym at, you know, five o'clock in the morning. So even though I was slipping and sliding on I-15, there was nobody on the road. But, Is that um, the time where you pulled over at the side, or just, or you stopped in the yeah. middle of the freeway? No, 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 no. That was that was a whole another. <laughs> That's when I was going to teach my yoga class, and it was a Sunday, and there was nobody on the road, and I was trying to shake shake things up. So I stopped That's right in the, the middle of the highway. Craziest things I, I think stopped. I've ever heard from you is you stopped in the middle of the well, freeway. You, well, you know I how think. you play with things. You know, you play with things like, um, it, it, it's like. Everything has their rules, and when you're on the highway, you're not supposed to stop in the middle of the highway. That's breaking right. the rules. But right. but there, right. was, there was nobody there, so I decided to just stop. I said, "Let me just stop, and just feel it." And it, it felt liberating. And you know, the next car was maybe a two hundred yards behind me, okay. so there was no real danger. But the excitement was still there of just stopping in the middle of the highway and just sitting there, letting the car idle. And it just had this kind of liberating feeling. I, you know, I, I do a well, lot you, of crazy. You are wearing our Disrupt t-shirt tonight and uh, you I disrupted did, perfect. right there. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. it's a perfect story for that. But, you know, you're talking about breaking the rules. You know, when you're extremely overweight, you're not supposed to break the rules and lose 180 pounds. You know that? Like that's breaking the rules. Yeah. And we, that, got a, that's, yeah. we got a guy on tonight that broke the rules. He broke the mold, not just the rules. I mean, he broke the rules by stopping on the freeway. This guy broke the mold by yeah. losing over 180 pounds. I mean, it's, uh, I can't believe. And more profoundly, story. he broke his personal mythology because, you know, yeah. every incarnation, every incarnation mm -hmm. that you take on, there is a narrative and a mythology built around it. Right, and it's right. almost like it's a foundation. So you live by that foundation, and then one day when you wake up and you just go, you know what? I want to do a one eighty. I, I got to get out of this, no matter what it is. I, I got to get out of this, 
and 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 um, to to do that, to do a 180, to get out of those circles, because you've built a psychological, philosophical, spiritual condition. Like it, you know, it, it's. And I want both of you guys to speak on this because I think about this all the time. Tiger Woods has not returned to his old self. No, he hasn't. Because yeah. the narrative that he built mm -hmm. with with that old self, the winning that was part of the drugs, the the women. Once he did the 180, he couldn't get back to it. Yeah. Well, and we'll get into that tonight with our guest, uh, because I think you're right. The mythology, the stories that we tell, a lot of people don't understand that if they want to make a significant change in life, whether it's in their body, their business, their relationships, whatever it is, there has to be a different story that they're telling and they right. have to become someone different. And with that, folks, we want to welcome you to another episode of the Evolve Podcast. Joining me from Oberlin, Ohio, the most interesting man that I know is W. Miles Riley. Welcome, Miles. I'm in Oberlin, and our guest lived in Cincinnati, and guess who's going to the Super Bowl? Yeah, not Oberlin, <laughs> baby. <laughs> and in the mountains of Utah, I am Steve Cutler. Today's guest is Dan Cadmus. Dan Cadmus is a national board-certified health coach specializing in weight loss and mindset. He went from being obese, suffering from mental health issues, and using food and substances as coping mechanisms to lose 180 pounds wow. and finding a better path in life. Yeah, I have a hard time just saying that without doing what you just did of saying, wow. He is now inspired to help others succeed in similar ways using the knowledge and insight he picked up along his journey. Dan Cadmus, welcome to the Evolve Podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me on, guys. It's an honor. Yeah, Appreciate man. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's an honor what, to have a, you. what a great treat it is. I think we need to start with this idea of living in Cincinnati. I lived in Cincinnati for a couple of years. Oh, Miles wow. is uh, in northern Ohio. Do you have any allegiance to this uh, to to this team that is going to the Super Bowl now? Uh, I don't, other than um, working with a bunch of rabid, uh, diehard Bengals fans. So it's definitely mm. cool uh, for me, at least, spending I don't know that was four or five years of my life um, working with these people to kind of you know I became really good friends with them. Seeing right. you know that they were they felt like they were cursed, especially during those years. That was from like. 2015 to 2019 so they, they okay. had some rough times and uh from hearing their constant you know like uh just i guess uh commiserating with each other over kind of being a Bengals fan it's it's cool to see them go and i almost wish i was still there to kind of uh like revel in it with them so it's cool no allegiance though personally but yeah i'm, I, the same I'm happy for my friends I've never, never liked the Bengals, was never a fan. Um, when we lived there, uh, the, uh, the main thing I remember is that anytime it rained, they canceled school for my kids for like five days. And then uh, about every night or every other night, there was a uh, uh, story on the news talking about a Bengals player that was getting arrested for something. Some sort of shooting, something happened in a bar. It was ridiculous. So I don't have any allegiance to it, but I am happy for my Cincinnati fans who uh, who like them. I don't have any allegiance either. I'm, you know, I'm from New York City. I'm a New York Giants guy, but you know what? Wherever I lay my hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're in Browns country. I mean, you're up in the Cleveland area. Hey, hey, when you move to the state, you take it on. I used to live in L.A. and they, you had Raiders, Chargers, Rams and 49ers. So you're I lived basically in New York, just... it was Giants, Jets and the Buffalo Bills. 
Now what you're telling our listeners, Miles, and you're telling Dan is that you're basically a whore. You will just go with whatever <laughs> is around. Love the one you're with, right? That's not a whore. That's an extremely flexible person. <laughs> <laughs> I like Dan, that. It's a nice reframe. Yeah, there you go. Dan, I, you know, we love Casey and Boundless Body Radio, and uh, normally I would not want to copy his intro, but I have to because of what you said. You started uh, years and years ago as a rapper, and as I was listening to this, I'm, I'm, I'm vibing with you because you had some of the same uh, influences that I fell in love with. So talk about who is some of your favorite uh, influencers were when you were getting into rap. Yeah. Um, you know, I mentioned on, I forget, there were several I mentioned on Casey's podcast, uh, Wu-Tang being probably the biggest um, influence yeah. on Tribe me. Tribe Called Quest. Tribe, Tribe Called, Called Quest. Quest. Yeah, yep. you can't go wrong with Tribe. Um, most Deaf. Most Deaf. Mm. Yep. yep. He's, it, it's so difficult for me to, like when people ask, you know, what are your top X amount? I, I can't, it all depends on where I'm at at the time. You know what I mean? But yeah, as far as yeah. things that influence me um, to, to get involved in, in rap and hip hop are definitely, you know, the, like I said, the Wu-Tangs, Tribe Called Quest, Biggie, Nas, Most mm. Def. Um, there's just so many. Guru. Um, th there's just a, a, a million, to be honest with you. A lot of that typical um, 90s New York type of sound. Um, yeah. as I, you know, I've mentioned mm -hmm. before, I have an older brother, uh, he's eight and a half years older than me. So a lot of his influence growing up, even, even stuff like rage against the machine, uh, mm. influenced me a bunch, beastie boys. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, and I got the beasties all right behind me. Yeah. Nice. nice. I'm the same way. I, you know, for the last two or three weeks, I've just had Nas on repeat when I go yeah. to uh, the gym, like that's. I love picking a song or picking a playlist with just one artist and I just keep going and going to that. It helps to get me in a zone when I'm working out. Yeah, I've always been attracted to voices. Like people, like I have my top 10 mm. and, and not my top 10 is real flexible, but I'm, I'm attracted to voices that sound like instruments. You know, sometimes That's I don't even so understand what they're, what they're saying, but I listen to, you know, like I love Buster, Biggie. I love yeah. Tupac's voice, Chuck D. Um, um, back in the day, a lot of people don't talk about um, um, Eric B and Rakim. Yes. You know, and I just think all those rappers just have tremendous voices that are just lyrical and musical. It's just like I, I can listen to them all the time and not know what they're saying. I agree. I, I think yeah, that's a big quality. part of rap um, is using your voice as an instrument, even with yeah. inventive flows and, and cadences and um, just the way that like people use their voice as, as an instrument. I, I think yeah. that's such a tremendous part of it. Yeah. Well, yeah. and like any yeah. creative person, you're, you're uh, taking inspiration from a lot of different places. And I think right. that's what creativity is. Right. And at a certain point you shifted from, uh, from hip hop, from rap and, and uh, you started on this journey. Now you basically, when you started on this 180 pound weight loss journey, you woke up one day ate a couple of salads, flexed in the mirror, went to the gym. The next day you had ripped abs, right? That was it. That's exactly, exactly the time. That's the formula. Right. That's the formula. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And then uh, and then you went back to living the same life you had before. But no, I mean, you think about this, 180 pound journey. We had somebody recently on the podcast 
that she's uh, certified crazy. It runs like a hundred miles in the mountains at one point at one time, right? So ultra marathoner and. I would say a 180 pound weight loss journey is an ultra, ultra, ultra marathon that you're doing to get to this point. I mean, uh, talk a little bit about how you started in the journey, because I think the start is uh, the, is always fascinating. There's an inflection point that gets everybody going. What was yours? Yeah, um, so yeah I've dealt with, you know, being pretty overweight my entire life. I was you know, athletic when I was younger. So it wasn't as big of a deal. So mm -hmm. I, like attempts at losing weight are, is, is, you know, it's something I know very well. So, you know, into my twenties, several, uh, failed attempts at weight loss. Um, and so that was, that was my background, uh, with it. So I eventually reached a point where, you know, I just kind of considered myself a lost cause, um, thought it just wasn't in the cards for me to change in that way. And that was it. And, Pretty common um, belief for a lot of people. Absolutely. Tried and failed, right? Yeah. People just say, well, that's it. Right. And, and then they come up with an idea of why they can't. Yeah. For sure. I mean, you guys were talking earlier about, um, you know, stories you tell yourself when, when you failed at something, mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, more times than you can count. How else are you supposed to, I guess, shape that story uh, in mm -hmm. your head? So um, I never really understood, I guess, the like mental physical connection, because mm -hmm. as my uh, weight continued to spiral out of control. So did, you know, mental health issues, a lot of, you know, just depression and anxiety and it, it got yeah. worse and worse. And I was kind of blind to the fact that it was um, directly related. So I finished up with music. You want to know like the kind of what started me off. I finished up with music. I moved to Cincinnati um, with some friends. I had some friends that lived out there. And it was kind of all by accident. I had been out there, kind of thought I was going to escape my problems. Didn't, you know, I was just a, a person with the same problems in a new place. Um, and actually everything got worse because now yeah. I don't have, you know, my family around. I have the two friends that I moved in with, um, but not much else other than that. Struggling to find a job. My savings is depleting. Just, you know, uh, I'd mentioned before, like all of... <laughs> Every light in my car on my car dashboard is, is lit up. Just, you know, problems right. compounding on each other. Yeah. Um, and so the very beginning for me was becoming desperate enough uh, to find meditation. And I say desperate enough because the type of person I was at the time, I was very skeptical of, of everything, especially anything, you know, health and wellness. <clears throat> I kind of had that like, uh, you know, just thought of it as nonsense. So I was desperate enough to find meditation downloaded the headspace app and that was the very beginning for me because uh i think for people i think it's like uh improving on the mental aspect is just as important as the physical but i don't think it has yeah. to be in, in a certain order for like everyone for me right. personally i had to yeah. get my mind right before i got my body right um so i found meditation that kind of started to you know for once in my life i had a tool to kind of uh deal with the depression, the anxiety, things that have been, had been debilitating me daily, especially post music, um, you know, ever, ever since then. So I finally had something to keep, to keep those at bay. And then, um, got a job with FedEx started, you know, just throwing boxes on a belt. And so between meditation and that, there was no real decision until I had already kind of lost a little bit of weight. Then the decision came to start, you know, I might as well take advantage of it. But for me, it was, that rock bottom moment of um, just extreme anxiety, depression, 
the obesity at my heaviest I've ever been, depending on food like crazy, binge eating, that that cycle that people know so well that that you know that that binge eating and using uh I guess food as a coping mechanism type of cycle. Yeah. And it took that rock bottom moment. And, and that was mainly it for me. And I think a lot of people hit those rock bottom moments or those things that become that inflection point to move them forward. It, it's it's fascinating to me that meditation became the thing for you. I mean, for yeah, a lot was, of people, was, it is right. I was I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, for it's... for some people, it's well, I got to start working out. I got to do this. But uh, for you to find meditation, I mean, uh, what a beautiful thing. Let me just first say that. But uh, <clears throat> for that to be the thing, I I was really fascinated about this. Talk a little bit about your background. I mean, is there, were there uh, a mental or spiritual practice in your family? Did you grow up in a certain religion where um, this became something where once you started meditation, you're like, okay, I kind of lean into this because I was in this religion or we went to church here or dad did this, mom did that. Like, or was this a totally new thing for you where you just said, what the hell? Uh, you, nothing's working, so I got to try something different. Yeah, uh, it, it was more more that, to be honest, I, mm. I grew up, you know, I was in a, uh, a Long Island, New York, Italian household. So naturally nice. I grew up, uh, you know, Roman Catholic, although I, I wouldn't say I'm religious at all. Um, sure. I don't really yeah. pr- practice these days. Um, so I, I would say my upbringing, although I went through the motions, so to speak with, you know, the whole Catholic church, I'm definitely not religious. Um, and, and my family is not very religious either. So there was no, yeah. um, spiritual connection there but i've always even even though i would categorize myself as like more of a negative person during the music days i I always was like had like a connection to that type of uh spiritual way of thinking i guess deep thinking within like how you operate i think that kind of uh goes hand in hand with the like artistic thing maybe yeah Um, for sure yeah so there was no but there was no like spiritual background at all really um but the funny thing about meditation is i didn't even think of it as something like that um i i more so like put it in this the same type of category as almost like psychic readings i, I was so ignorant to it you know what i mean especially back then mm. um i love that definition I, or that that categorization yeah yeah and, and I, I think, think a lot, of, a people lot of people yes and yeah. and mistakenly because it could help so many people yeah yeah um so so talk a little bit about that. So how did you get over that piece of the, the psychic? So what I find fascinating, and maybe I'm making parallels here that don't exist, but you know, you went from being a creative with, uh, with rap. And I think a lot of creatives, like you talked about, they do feel things in a different way. There is a deeper yeah. spiritual connection, right? Whether you paint, whether you rap, whether you write music, whether you, whatever you do, you're, if you're creative, you tend to tap into something that's bigger than yourself because you know that there is more out there that's bigger than you. And so once that was gone, that was lost from you, but you found a new way to tap into that creative spiritual piece. Um, how did you get over this idea that, uh, Hey, this is the same as like a psychic reading, but I got to give it a shot. Yeah. Just personal experience, honestly, and, and feeling okay. it for myself. So mm-hmm. to kind of touch on, um, you know, include both of your questions as far as like what, what started it, um, it was just a random recommendation I found on Twitter. I hit that rock bottom moment. Everything I had done previously wasn't working, obviously. Um, and I was desperate for a change. And I saw a recommendation for uh, the Headspace app on Twitter. Decided to try it because I was so like miserable at the time. And um, yeah, I tried it and felt instant relief, honestly. Um, 
mm-hmm. and which is not common, I don't think. And I, I, you know, when I talk to clients or even friends and family about <clears throat> meditation, I almost, I almost feel like, uh, like the, the meditation guy at this point. Cause I, I like, it's, it's, <laughs> I swear by it and I preach it to so many people, but, yeah. um, you know, when I, I preach it to people, I say, you're going to probably have to do this for a couple of weeks before you really um, notice the change. But for me, that time that I don't even know if it was a panic attack, anxiety attack, whatever it was that I was having at the time, that that two minute simple um, meditation uh, lesson on headspace brought me out of that spot. And I think it has probably a lot to do with the you know nasal breathing and knowing what I know now and, and kind of getting yourself back into your body and out of your head. And I felt instant relief. And that immediate panic attack was was uh, significantly lessened by just doing that. So that kind of woke me up to, okay, I'm going to, and then I did it the next day and the next day. And a couple of weeks in, um, I almost didn't feel like the same person at that point, which sounds kind of ridiculous that it's only a couple of weeks, but uh, made a big difference. It really, really did a noticeable difference. Let me ask, um, and, and it's funny, I'm just thinking of this. You, it, I'm playing with this idea as you're speaking. And I'd like you to speak to this. Um, it's, it almost sounds like everything that you had done up to that point was this kind of externalization, looking outward. Mm. And then all of a sudden you discover meditation and meditation is a way of looking inward. And <clears throat> excuse me. And maybe that's why it's so prof- was so profound. There's a, a line in the movie Wall Street where Charlie Sheen's world has collapsed. He goes to the office and Hal Holbrook says to him, he says, Bud, I like you. He goes, man looks into the abyss and when nothing stares back is when you find yourself. Mm. And some people run away from that. Yeah. And there's very few people who look into the abyss, see nothing and know that that nothing is the place where you start to build. And it sounds like that's what you did. You didn't run from that. You your running was from all the externalization stuff, but when you got a glimpse at the abyss, looking back and seeing nothing, and realize you could craft yourself how you want it. Now I'm just speculating. Does that ring at all to you? Yeah, it does. Um, and it's not something that I necessarily have even made the connection uh, since then. But it makes so much sense because I, when I look at myself. Um, my timeline leading up to that point and then my timeline after, right? Um, my entire life leading up to that point was running from problems and not tackling things head on and pretty much handling situations and difficult situations the exact opposite way that someone should if they want to truly progress in life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and post-meditation uh, was when my introspection got brought to the next level. And I think maybe... Yeah. Before that, and before that ability to, um, a keep keep like, you know, my own issues at bay, but also carry that level of awareness, which is essentially what meditation does, is just fosters that right. self awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Big time. You know, before that, I I hadn't really, and I think it was personal choice because I was in such a miserable place that I didn't want to do the deep work and really dig and be introspective. So I think. Yeah, meditation was probably the beginning of me really leaning into that, um, really knowing myself better. And I think before that, I probably didn't. I just used all these things as coping mechanisms. It was just run, run, run forever. And I never really dealt with myself and the demons that I 
unknowingly had head on. You know what I mean? So I, yeah, I, yeah definitely. I think that rings true. And there's wow. massive courage in that. I mean, I look at that and I think to myself, you know, like alpha male, beta male, this is an alpha male thing, right? <laughs> this is a, you are leaning into the difficulty. You're looking at the battlefield and you are saying, come hell or high water, I'm getting across that battlefield. I don't care how many scars, how many wounds I'm going to get. I'm going to, I'm going to get across that battlefield. And the, I think the internal battlefields in life become some the the most difficult that we deal with, Right. So Definitely. facing those things, let me ask you now, once you start to meditate, you become aware of things, right? Like you talked about awareness is a big piece. Far too often, I think in life, we drug ourselves, we use multiple sources, whether it's alcohol, other drugs, sugar, food, whatever, right? We drug ourselves so that we don't feel and we don't face reality. As you started to become aware, now you're facing reality, which means you've got to face the lies that you're telling yourself. Because let's be honest, we all tell ourselves lies when we're not progressing and moving forward. There's a reason we're not doing it, right? So talk about facing that reality and facing some of those lies. What was that like? Uh, it was it was eye-opening. I think, and, and this kind of plays on... Um, what you were talking about before with the alpha versus beta male thing. Um, yeah. Cause it, it reminds me of music and the persona that I was trying to put on at the time in my mm. uh, misconception of what masculinity was and what I had to be um, to be this person that was going to be this artist that people wanted to um, listen to and, and what I look up to, whatever. Um, and it's, it's funny because my entire misconception of masculinity was like the, stone face, not admitting that things are getting to you, uh, sweeping yeah. everything under the rug type of mentality. Cool. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and through that sweeping everything under the rug came, uh, you know, slamming Jack Daniels, uh, Xanax smoking a bunch of weed, all these things that, like you said, uh, mm -hmm. numb all those feelings and cause you to, you know, kind of just continue to run away from them. And then, you know, fast forward to where I am now and, you know, post, um, kind of seeing the light so to speak it, it's that's not at all what what being masculine it is is to me you know now right. now i understand right. masculinity as being in control of your emotions of your feelings handling that and yes keep keeping uh that balance and not to say stone face but keeping that level of control but while also dealing with your own inner demons and dealing and working through stuff like that so so that's been a big eye-opening thing for me is that um, all of these misconceptions that I had previously about, you know, what makes you a man or what makes you, you know, whatever BS that I, I had is all, is all false. And so now it's like, yeah. it's just me as real as it gets. And, and it's, it's all to me, it's been changing relationships to those substances, to different things. Like, do I drink to highlight the good and celebrate what's good mm -hmm. in my life? Or do I drink mm -hmm. to run away from the bad and, and to dull the pain, so to speak. So, um, it's been that like when I feel something negative, when I'm going through something, I purposely, you know, don't do anything to numb it. I want to feel that I want to work through that. To me, that's yeah. what, wow. uh, you know, facilitates growth and, and has gotten me to where I'm at is running at things head on dealing with them instead of, you know, running away. Yeah, that's powerful. It's like the, 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 the violent act of confronting yourself. Yep. You know, because when you sit in that, Right. When you're sitting in the pain, you feel the pain. When yeah. you sit in the darkness, you feel the darkness. The reality is there's a lot of beauty in darkness. 
I mean, we talk about darkness as if it's some horrible thing. There's beauty in darkness. I, the other night, I was so tired. I was on a walk with my wife, and I looked at her, and I said, you know, I'm so tired. I just want to close my eyes. She grabs my hand. She says, close your eyes. I got you. I walked the rest of the way home with my eyes closed, and I'm breathing through my nose because that's what we focus on when we're, when we're walking is that, that uh, nose breathing, right? So many benefits to that. And I closed my eyes and I spent the rest of the time walking home. She was guiding me, so I had to give her that, uh, uh, I had to give, you know, the trust to her. But that darkness then opened my ears. It opened my senses, my nose, my everything was totally different. And what a beautiful thing it is when you sit in the darkness, when you go through the darkness, because you see things differently. And I think far too often people think about depression, for instance. Depression is a wonderful state for a human being to be in because it slows everything down. You're able to process different. You're able to see things in a slower way. And then to say, holy shit, now I know what I need to do. And then <laughs> that depression can you know, shift into this massive thrust that gets you going forward. So Dan, you started meditation. I know you mentioned that you started meditation, you got the job, you were running around with FedEx. And so almost by uh, accident, uh, life started to change, right? I mean, conscious choice to meditate, conscious choice to get this job, but then weight started to come off and things started to change. Where did you go from there? Yeah, um, just decided to go with it. Um, I, you know, I touched on earlier, I was, I was an athlete in high school. Uh, right. My brother was an athlete. My father's always been in great shape. I've always had the blueprint of, you know, what I thought to be, um, what to do to lose weight. I just, you know, actively in my twenties, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a rebellion, whatever, chose not to do it. Right. Hmm. So, uh, you know, I'm a month or two in a FedEx, uh, starting to kind of unintentionally lose weight, feeling a lot better um, mentally, you know, the, the, all of my mental issues are kind of, um, you know, lessened significantly. So I decided to lean into it and start, um, you know, what I thought was eating better at the time. And mm -hmm. even, even that, you know, knowing know what I know now, uh, nutritionally wasn't probably the best of, uh, routes to take, but it was better than what I was doing at the time. Right. So, you know, the, the typical, uh, dietary advice, the brown rice, the, the things you hear, you know, forever. Yeah. Um, brown rice, cool. chicken, broccoli, you know what I mean? That, that kind of the situation. Boring so, stuff in the world. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The bodybuilders diet. <laughs> yep. 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 Bodybuilders are boring. Right. So I've had, um, I've gone through every single dietary change you could think of. So I started there, um, you know, got into it. Like I said, my father and my brother were always very into uh, health and fitness. And so I've had this base level of knowledge. Um, and then I just, I got into it. I, I started off playing with different, you, you know, different things, different levers. Like I would eat perfect during the week and then the weekend I would do whatever I want. And then I stopped, mm. you know what I mean? I just, I went from, you know, eating that to low carb, to keto, to, you know, more of like a carnivore-ish approach and everything right. in between you can, you can possibly imagine. So it was just a lot of, um, learning myself, a lot of, you know, it was continual progress too. There was, there was the more progress you see, the more into it you get, the more you want to learn. It's, it's all, um, momentum, all building. that gratification. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so, 
it just kept, you know, uh, the same way I spiraled out of control and, and in a downward spiral, it was the same thing, but, but upwards. So just kept learning more and, and getting more into it. But you learn by doing, and that's one of the most important yes. things I think about your story is uh, far too often people will get into this and they do like you talked about, they do the brown rice, the chicken, the bullshit that the bodybuilder at the gym told them to do because that's what they're supposed to do. And it doesn't work. And you did it by doing, you did it by jumping in. You've tried a lot of different methods. You found things that work. You found things where you're like, okay, this was a progressionary <clears> step and I'm going to remove that one. And now I'm moving on to the, to the next step. Talk a little bit about this journey that you've been on with learning what works for your body. How did you find things that worked and what did you edit out along the way? Yeah. Uh, I think it's like, you know, the curiosity and the interest is, is square one probably. And so just mm. finding a bunch of different people that, um, resonate with you and yeah. that, you know, their approaches taking what you like from each of them. And I, and I kind of just built my own, uh, you know, kind of protocol and, and mm. there was so much trial and error that went through that and learning, you know, about myself, like you said, learning, you know, how I kind of, I'm an addict of food and how I used food, like, you know, the way an addict would anything else, alcohol or drugs or whatever. And so yeah. kind of learning what those triggers are for me and, and how the things that set me off and, and what works better and what doesn't. And, um, you know, even from like just a, a hunger standpoint, you know, what keeps me satiated and, and I've eventually gravitated towards like the, you know, the protein leveraging side of, of, um, side of things. So yeah, for me, it was really just trial and error the entire time and almost using myself as like uh, one big experiment. And, you know, my job was physical, so I never worked out all that much. And then I, you know, I pulled the lever and started working out and fell back in love with that because of the high school days of, of baseball. So it's really just been trial and error and, and moving through things and, and just tons and tons of research and uh, self-study and just learning. You said something and... I don't want this to be lost because it was it was not what you said. It was how you said it. Uh, just before Steve asked you this, this last, the last question, you said it and you said it in such a casual way. You said, um, <clears throat> well, you know, I was spiraling downward and then I just started spiraling upward. And for some reason, when you <laughs> yeah, said that, yeah. I saw this little man in this and he's plummeting downward and he's not panicking, but he is <laughs> plummeting downward. And then he just turns and he looks up and goes, I think I'll go up now. And it was yeah, the way you said yeah. it, that it, it was it was so light and so powerful of spiraling downward. All right, if I can spiral downward, then maybe I can spiral upward. And, yeah. <laughs> and I just thought the way you said it was beautiful. No, nah, I use um I use it so frequently, the like I call it like the snowball analogy, where you know, like yeah. Yeah. you roll a snowball down a hill, it gains mass speed. Um, I think it works both ways. You can do that yeah. positively or you could do that negatively for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love how you said that. It was so like you, you and sometimes you'll get people and it'll make that sound so deep and heavy and you made it sound light. Yeah. Yeah, it's important. It's like when you look at somebody who's really screwing up and you just look at them mm -hmm. and you know, I do this with my son all the time. If he screws up, he thinks I'm gonna come at him really hard. And I just look at him and go, Don't screw up. Let's go get ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Well, think about that. If we took that approach, right, where it's just this experimental approach and this light approach. I tell my uh, my team all the time at work that 
I want you to fail fast. I want you to learn from it. I want you to move on and I want you to continue to go, but fail as fast as you can. So you find out what doesn't work so we can continue to move forward. I had to look it up because I couldn't remember the name of the author, but A.J. Jacobs wrote a book. He's written a few, but uh, the one that really made me laugh and was very impactful was called The Year of Living Biblically. And what he <laughs> did was he went through the Old Testament and he went and he said, okay, I'm going to live every single one of these rules of the Old Testament up to and including stoning somebody. And so the only way that he could figure out how to stone somebody was he kept like little rocks in his pocket and then he threw it at somebody in Central Park as a way of like stoning someone. And I, I just, I laughed as I read through this book and I thought, what a great blueprint for life. Like, that's what you've done. You've said, you know what? I'm going to experiment. I'm going to try everything to figure out what's going to work for me. And not only have you tried different methods and different diets, but you know where your, where your uh, weaknesses are. You know what you got to stay away from, right? So you said you're a food addict and so you've put in some, or excuse me, you put into uh, your, your strategy, some ideas and some parameters around eating that's right for you. That's the most important thing, right? Definitely. definitely. It's how, and how I, does it work for you? Yeah, for sure. And, and it's different things for everyone too. And, and that's yeah. something that I, I hit on a lot um, with clients and with just people I speak to is, is that like, you know, what works for me might not necessarily work for everyone. And, and my approach is different than what works for you. And it's just finding, you know, what, what works in general. Um, right. I just wanted to touch on something real quick because yeah. I feel like the, the way that I made it seem maybe uh, earlier is that it was like just constant upward trajectory and, and nothing but positive reinforcement. But when I look back, the main thing that changed this experience from all of my other failed weight loss attempts in the past was my ability to get back up after falling off or mm. having mm. a bad day or a slip up or whatever and get right back on and and right back on the horse and, and alleviate that vicious vicious cycle where one day turns into two turns into a week turns into a month turns into how do i get here how did i get here you know what i mean yeah, so years yeah yeah. So, so that's, and I think, I, I, I think um, meditation definitely helped with that, but I, I want to definitely highlight that, that um, building up and kind of flexing that resilience muscle and the ability to get back on track is by far without a doubt, the biggest thing that um, kind of led me to success for sure. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that's the key, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just a matter of D or because nobody's going to be perfect all the time. You're not going to yeah. stick to a diet in a perfect way. Talk about that more when you're now, I know you're coaching people. So I'd love to hear it either from your perspective of how you did that or what are you coaching people? Because I think both would be very beneficial to our listeners. But what's the thought process around that? If you are, if you feel like you've gone off track relative to your goals, what's that thought process? What do you do? What's, what, what are the actions that you're taking or what are you telling your clients to take? Yeah. Um, first of all, I think it's all about like a perception of the process um, in general. And so I tend to look at it at like now as, living a healthy lifestyle is an overall accumulation of miles driven in the right direction mm. instead of 
a set trip with starting and stopping points. So if you think about your take, say that again, you got to say that again, because I think that's important for our listeners. That is, that Uh, is impactful. Say that one more time. So it's an overall accumulation of miles driven in the right direction instead of a set trip with starting and stopping points. I love that. Um, If you think about it, if you're driving, you know, your end goal is the West Coast and you're making good progress towards the West Coast from where I am right now, which is New York and the East Coast. You're driving, you're in the Midwest, uh, you make a wrong turn. You're going to find your way. Best course of action is to find your way back to the highway to get back on course towards the West Coast. Right. Not to go back to New York, start from the very beginning and then start that trip all over again, which is, I think, what we tend to do if we slip up once. Uh, you know, I screwed up. I might as well go back to the old way of what I was doing. And, and you know, that cycle starts. So I think the first thing, if it was unintended, because people also, you know, there's the whole psychology behind cheat meals and a bunch of things with that, which is a whole other rabbit hole to go down. But as far as an unintentional slip up, um, you didn't plan on falling off course today and you did, I, I think the, taking that that mindset and using that perspective and just hopping on course the next day getting back to basics what got you here to the dance you know we all um change our process throughout you know i don't care what pursuit you're going after what what your goals are whether it's weight loss or anything else we all evolve as we go and yeah um i preach just getting back to the basics string yourself together one good day the next day and then you're right back where you, where you started. One bad day doesn't suddenly undo months of progress made. Um, so I think it's all, and, and uh, you mentioned this before, um, speaking about your, your kids and, and, you know, he mm. expects you to flip out on him if he, he messes up. Mm. And, you know, you said, eh, you know, stop screwing up. Let's go get ice cream. And I think it's, it kind of takes the same approach with yourself. I didn't start, um, you know, with, with that, um, with me recovering and, and that kind of dictating my success, I never succeeded with hating myself after screwing up, hating myself and, and getting down on myself and beating the crap out of myself for slipping up is always what facilitated that all or nothing mentality of just getting right back to it and, and, or not getting back to it. And, you know, I I messed up, might as well go all out, um, loving myself and, you know, practicing kindness within myself is what made me realize eh, it wasn't so bad, except forgive it and get right back on the horse the next day. Um, yeah. So, Miles, you realize that Dan Cadmus right here in this episode just dropped the most important truth. If we never did another episode, that's it right there. I never succeeded with hating myself. I only succeeded with loving myself. If we did no more podcasts, if we didn't post anything else ever and people just believed that statement right there that's it that's the most yeah but let's just keep let's keep doing podcasts all right all right let's just keep going we will but i'm just saying like let's keep to the schedule you guys have done a lot of people i love the practicality (laughs) of that i never (laughs) succeeded by hating myself i only succeeded by leaning into that love dan i love that yeah that is just amazing well and, and i can relate this idea of driving across country so at one point um you know when we moved to cincinnati we drove from utah to cincinnati and so that's about as far across the country as i've been you know i didn't go from coast to coast but that was a long drive and the funny thing about the human condition is we forget that we've made progress along the way so if i've been working out if i've been eating a little bit better if i've lost a few pounds 
and then I go off the rails. I go on some bender, whether it's a sugar bender, an alcohol bender, whatever it is, right? I go off the rails. I'm not back to, to square one. I've made some progress. I have already been lifting. I've already been doing some cardio. I've already been doing something. And so it's, it's as dumb to me as driving, let's say, from Utah, and I've made it all the way across South Dakota. And I think to myself, well, hey, we got a flat tire, so we're back in Utah now. Like, that's how dumb it is. And I love that analogy that you use. I've never heard that before, but man, I'm telling you right now, I'm stilling it. I'm going to use that over and over and over again, because that's a great, uh, a great analogy. So how did you adopt that mindset? Like, where did that come from inside of you? Or did you hear something? And then how did you put that into practice? Yeah, it's, um, it's been a couple of different things. Like, I think I've always um, had a little bit of that in me. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think you go after something like you know, my pursuits with music, if you don't have some sort of internal positivity, even though I categorize myself as a negative person, mm-hmm. I think you have to have a little bit of that. Um, yeah, you got to be an optimist you know, at some point. Sure. Y- yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. Right. Um, but I think I was more so a symptom of my situation at the time, mm-hmm. as far as, you know, the lifestyle I, I led, I think didn't help. Um, so I had a little bit of that, but also I, it's just, uh, people, sources of inspiration and, and mentors and people that I looked up to, you know, along my journey and people that I, I found and, and just started to take their, um, their philosophies. I got into, you know, I wouldn't say I'm like diehard, but I got into stoicism and, and that kind mm. of, um, mm. you know, philosophy and, and way of thinking about things and just, uh, just built on it. It, it really stemmed from, I guess, the once I hit a certain spot um, with myself and losing weight and everything, I just started to become obsessed with not really losing weight, just being the best possible version of myself. And so all of that came from that. And uh, yeah, just like I said, sources of inspiration, same thing I did with um, how I lost weight is the same thing I did with that. Just, uh, you know, taking what I liked from all these different people and kind of molding it into my own uh, philosophy of life, I guess. You, I wonder what gets in the way into it. Yeah, I love that. I wonder what gets in the way. Um, it, it's it's funny when when, when I used to um, teach my yoga class, I, I used to tell a story about the ultimate success. And <clears throat> for as long as we've been on this planet, there's not one human being who's ever failed to learn how to walk. Hmm. You know, it, it, it and one of the reasons why there's a 100% success rate is because babies don't have the language of success or failure. Yeah. They just have do it. They just, they wake up, they look around, they see other people motoring around in a particular way and they, they, they got to do it. And they get up, they fall down, they get up, they fall down, they get up, they take a step, they fall down, they take three steps. And the next thing you know, they're walking, but there's no language for that. You know, you don't, babies don't look at other babies and say like, you know what, come on, you could do it. You got to do this. There's no baby that's ever said, you know what, fuck this. I, I can't do this. This is too hard. They just do it. And, and it's so innate and so cosmic. It's almost like that's the paradigm for success right there. And then as we get older, all this other language gets heaped on. Oh, you can't do this. This is too hard. Or you do that. And this is what will happen to you. And all these words get filtered in. 
and and it it seems to circumvent the very element of true success from when we were babies. Mm. I love that. I love that. That circles right back to what you guys were talking about in the beginning of this, which is the stories you tell yourself. That's pretty much exactly what it is. Right. You're a baby. You don't have that story, that background of, you know, all your past Mm -hmm. to kind of, you know, convolute what you're thinking currently. Right. Failure is almost a story. Failure is a social construct that we put together. Right. Dan, Dan, part of what I love about your story is you looked at the innate wisdom that was inside of you is what I'm hearing. When you were a rapper, you looked for a lot of different sources of inspiration. You pulled from here, you pulled from there. When you got into living healthy, same thing. You pulled from here, you pulled from there. I almost feel like that's just not only in the DNA, but that's just in the depth of the soul, that you're pulling from something that is this innate wisdom inside of you to create the success that you want. But at some point you committed to it. You just said, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna listen to the innate wisdom. And the only way you listen to that innate wisdom that's inside of you is you start to show love to that because love is the, the, the light that you shine on everything. What are some other things that as you, as you progressed through this process, you lost 180 pounds, you're now in a totally different space than you were before. What are some other things that you learned about yourself along the way? Uh, a whole bunch. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's, this is going to be I, a five hour podcast. Yeah. Right. Get ready yeah. guys. The last one and the only five hour podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I learned a bunch, man. I, I guess, um, learning that your, your limits aren't really your limits of what you think you're capable of. Um, mm-hmm. learning that really anything is possible with the right, um, the right mindset, even, even, you know, there's a ton of papers, published papers, peer reviewed papers out there that, you know, suggest even just positive emotions and ways of thinking uh, improve cognitive functions. So if you are doing something, taking a test and you are shitting your pants the entire time about that mm. test and you're nervous about that test, you're definitely going to fail that test. Yet if yeah. you go into mm. it with that relaxed state of mind, you automatically put yourself in a new category as far as like how you can do on that test. So just... Mm that sort of positive way of thinking. Um, yeah, I, I guess I've learned that I'm insanely resilient and learned um, capable of way more than, you know, I thought I was and that anything's really possible um, through kind of having the right mindset. And, and I think within that though, um, has been viewing my past uh, also through different lenses because uh, post music and, even like early Cincinnati days when I first started losing weight, looking at how I perceived my music, brief music career, mm. I looked at it all with regret. And my past was all these examples of, of failure. And, and that I think has been my biggest, uh, biggest lesson moving forward is how I view my past. I view all of my successes and accomplishments and, and things I've done as nothing but things that build strength and things that prove my capability to myself. And I brew, I view all of my failures and all of my shortcomings, things where I, you know, came up short as data points and just knowledge. And instead of, mm. you know, being the crap out of myself over these things that I can't change, I use them as data points to ensure history doesn't repeat itself moving forward. Um, wow. That's probably the biggest lesson of everything. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I would echo that. That's a wow. I mean, that, what, what a great way to look at life. 
I mean, that's uh, if everybody could adopt that same perspective, we would be in a much different world right now. We would not be at, you know, what, 50, 60 percent of America is obese, 60, 70 percent is overweight. Now, you've got a mission, right? This you've not only lost 180 pounds, but you're talking about it. What's your mission? What's the message that you're trying to get out there to the world? Um. I guess essentially what I'm trying to be is who I would have needed uh, during those years of like, really, it sounds dramatic to call it years of darkness. Right. But uh, it, it was, true, it was though. a rough, yeah, it was though. Yeah, it, was, it was years of darkness, years yeah. of hating myself, years of, um, of living a rough existence. And when I think of myself back then, um, I guess sort of a, like rah, rah, you can do it type of person wouldn't have gotten through to me. Right. So I essentially yeah, want to be yeah. the person who's realistic about things, who someone could relate to. I would have wanted someone who, who went through it themselves, you mm -hmm. know, and, and knew the things I was dealing with really had lived that life and, and um, understood. And so that that's my mission is essentially to be the person that I would have needed back then, the person who would have gotten through to me and um, cut the learning curve. You know, I talked about years of, of trial and error, um, and I think, you know, if, if I could help cut those years of trial and error for someone else and, and get them to point from point A to B much quicker, then, then that's, that's what my, my mission is, is to be the person I would have needed back then. Yeah, bring them sure. results and peace uh, um, a lot quicker. Yeah. yeah what, a, what a beautiful way to put it. Well, yeah, we're coming up on our time. And, uh, but before we wrap up, we like to take our guests through a rapid fire uh, set of questions. Uh, the rapid fire questions are where uh, you've got one word or one phrase. So you choose one word, one phrase to answer each one of these questions. You ready to go? Yep, let's do it. All right. So uh, let's talk disruption. How do you disrupt your life right now in order to spark new growth? Discomfort. Mm, love it. Wow. As you've evolved on this journey that you've been on, what is something that you used to believe that you no longer do? Hmm. That everyone has a set capability. Mm, beautiful answer. I, this one's especially important uh, because all of us on here are artistic. How do you tap into your innate creative power? So tough to answer in a word or phrase. <laughs> I know that's why I'm asking it because that'd be hard for hell for me to answer. Experience and life. Ooh, beautiful. Last one, we never stop uh, evolving. What do you do to show compassion to yourself along the way? Self-care. Beautiful. Mm. Final question for you. So it's not part of our rapid fire, but in Evolve, we believe that people evolve their lives by stacking one simple habit on top of another. It doesn't have to be hard. It just has to be consistent. What do you think for our listeners is the most important habit that you would want them to build upon? Positive self-talk. I think everything stems from there. Yeah, I um, agree. Yep. Observe, see what yeah. you're great at. Build from creating a, actually more more than that, I guess, creating awareness. 
um, of your own tendencies. I think that has to do with the self-talk, but that's, that's square one where I start um, with anyone really is aware. It goes back to that meditation, right? Become aware, become aware of what you're great at. I mean, you can only build from a point of strength. The darkness is good, but the reality is we build from a great foundation of strength. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I, I, you know, I don't want to say preach everyone meditation because I guess if you're talking a specific habit, I guess meditation, but anything that facilitates that introspection, I guess. Yeah. Well, we'll preach meditation. However, people want to take it. It doesn't have to be (laughs) seated. It can be walking. It can be artistic. It can be rap. It can be whatever it is. There are many forms of meditation. We've got several episodes out there that talk about the different forms of meditation people can get involved in. So we're with you on that. Well, and on that note, folks, it is time for us to wrap up another Evolve podcast. We want to thank our guest, Dan Cadmus, for joining us and my co-host, W. Miles Riley. We've had an amazing conversation today, and we hope that you, our evolutionary listeners, took something with you that will help you on your personal evolution. Uh, Dan, you've got an, an awesome story. I want people to hear from you. I want people to see this transformation. What's the best way for them to follow you and your continued growth and evolution? Uh, probably either on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Daniel Cadmus and nope, sorry, on Instagram at Dan Cadmus and <laughs> Dan on Cadmus. Twitter at Daniel Cadmus. Daniel Cadmus on Instagram. Yeah, I've got you there. Awesome. Uh, well, Dan Cadmus, once again, thank you for being on. What a lot, uh, uh, just an amazing, I was going to say a lot, but an amazing uh, amount of wisdom that you've dropped for our listeners today. And hey, folks, remember, it does take time and consistency to evolve, but first, you have to disrupt. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. And evolve. Thank you for listening to the Evolve Podcast. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at evolve underscore cast and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting app. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve.